Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frogcast. If you can't tell, there's some excitement in my voice. I'm a little hoarse still from screaming my lungs out. If the 51-45 win, the Horn Frogs over the Michigan Wolverines in the national semifinals. The Frogs are Fiesta Bowl champions, but that's not the championship that's on our mind right now. The Frogs are playing for the national championship against the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Jeremy, before I hand it to you, I just got to say one thing. Michigan, what happened? Did that kid really get canceled? He did. I don't know what happened. I went looking for him today, James. No and I, I, yeah, I, I didn't have enough time to go down the rabbit hole. I'm back in Memphis and I'm working. But uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. So I guess the mantle falls to us to, to announce Michigan. What happened? Or maybe Bud Clark. I don't know if you saw his Instagram story, but he was uh, talking a little trash, which I am just fine with. Uh, I haven't seen that. Uh, I'll have to check that out. You've got. I'll, I'll I'll send it to you. You you've got to see it. My my Instagram feed, or not my Instagram feed. My Instagram inbox is full of people sending me these videos that are trying to keep up with the TCU media team account, and it's. Uh, it is it is a lot of high energy and man I feel like I'm about six months from a nursing home because it is it is not I'm not the target but I'm loving it all anyway so I'm gonna I'm gonna pretend like I'm young I'm gonna pretend like I'm a student and I am I am enjoying the 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 ride of watching the Horn Frogs beat Michigan and we'll get to it at the end here uh, there might have been a little fuel on the fire to. Uh, for TCU fans to give uh, to, to kind of clap back at, at Michigan fans and, and maybe even some Michigan players. So, Jeremy, I've been talking too much. We're going to get into a lot in this game. What was your reaction like when the clock hit zero? Where, where do we want to start? I mean, do we want to start on the game? Do we want to start about this whole week? Where, I mean, where do well, where this should, is this where is what I'm begin? thinking. You guys can tell. You know, we're real organized here. I usually do kind of have a, a sense of an outline, but you know, I got that jet, jet lag coming back from Yuma. I want to get into the game first. Did you take um, the three? No, no, we're going to get into the the. We're going to get into a few things um, that were because of the game. We're going to get into the game. We're going to talk through some players, and then we are going to wander through um, Michigan all week in the buildup. We're going to talk about some things that we have uh, that I have confirmed on um, that that took place in terms of some no shows to bowl mandatory celebrations and events from maybe some Michigan staff, and then we're going to get into all the people that we met that uh, came up and said, "I know your voice. I don't. I don't know your face, but you're 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 Pastor Frog. You're Jeff Mitchell. You're Jeremy Clark. I want to I want to talk to you for a minute. I want to buy you a beer. Uh, we'll talk about all of that, and then we'll get to uh, to Ohio or to to the we'll get to Ohio State Georgia." Georgia for a second and then focus on the Bulldogs. How's that sound? Man, we have so much to talk about. That's why I was just asking, where do we want to start this? I mean, because there's been so much that's happened over the last week, just from going to press conferences, the game, but I'll start out with the game. The The question that no, you no, asked. No, no, let's do this. Let's do this. You were out there all week for the media. Just, just walk us through that. You know, a lot of people showed up wanting to make sure their Southwest flight connected. Yes. Tell, tell us what it was like getting out there. This is the first big time, was well, the first playoff game the Frogs have been in. And what, what was it like for your experience? First off, I'm glad I didn't book through Southwest. Um, so I was able to get out there with no delays. Flew out 7 o'clock Tuesday morning. Got there. Had a great flight, man. I think I had the best flight I've ever been on. 
I don't think I felt one bit of turbulence the whole flight. But got there and how man, it the, just how were the peanuts? Didn't have any, man. I kind of kind of okay. fueled up before I got on the flight. I think nice. you said peanuts. I hope you did. Yes, I did. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm such yes, a seven-year-old. Um, you, you are. <laughs> I, don't forget what I do for a living, man. <laughs> I know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, as soon as, as soon as I hit the the ground, man, things were just rolling. They had press conferences for defense. Obviously, uh, the whole media area was awesome. The resort they they put everyone in was spectacular. Uh, food was great. Press conferences. We went out. I I didn't get there in time for the early Tuesday morning defensive player press conference. Luckily, they transcribe all that for us. Um, not every question, but a lot of questions, which is great. Went out to practice, watched the practice. They did. I know a lot of people were wondering why were they practicing on baseball fields, and a lot of people already knew. They practice on the baseball fields because that was the best grass that was similar to what they were going to be playing on uh, at at State Farm. I was told by someone that they went to several different facilities uh, in the Phoenix area, and that was really the only place that had any good grass. There was a lot of schools that said, hey, you can come over here, but they had turf and they didn't want to practice on turf. They wanted to go on natural grass and Someone had mentioned to them about the the Notre Dame prep having really nice baseball fields, really nice grass fields, and they were really close to what State Farm had. And so they went over there, checked it out, and obviously did. You know, they passed the passed the test, and that's where they practiced at. So they had to go over there. I to bet that turf is better than what's at State Farm. That field is trash. I mean, I, I walked it. Me and Colin walked it. We were all down there, Dean. All of us were down there, and it. You know, there's. The stadium itself isn't bad at all. I, you know, I, no. I thought it was pretty good, but there were some chunks missing in that grass. There was obviously some divots and lumpy areas. Uh, I really thought on the nine yard line going toward the. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of my directions here. I, I would think going south, maybe. Does the stadium go north? Towards the, north? Towards the QJ touchdown or towards yes, the yes, toward QJ touchdown. touchdown toward okay. QJ. So as QJ's running down the sideline, I've prayed that he wasn't going to trip between the 10 and nine yard line. Cause there was a, I was also praying Mark Cohen wouldn't jump out in front of him. Oh no, don't. No, Mark. <laughs> Sorry, Mark. <laughs> yeah, don't Sorry, do Mark. that. Um, no, I mean the field, the field itself, had, you know, it, it needs some improvement, but yeah, that's why they were practicing over there. So saw the practice on, on Tuesday, then obviously Wednesday, same thing, offensive guys. And they decided to go over there to uh, Arizona state. Cause the weather, was overcast and cold almost the whole week down there. It was very unlike Phoenix weather. I mean, it was just yeah. it was kind of weird. But um, they practiced. I didn't even in, get to wear my shorts. Yeah, I noticed that. Arizona State, Sorry. pretty nice campus area, but I still can't believe they practice in a bubble. So me, Stephen, and Jamie almost got sucked out of this vortex because the, in the bubble you can't open two doors at once to get in. Gosh, and uh, we. We didn't pay attention to the signs. We were trying to get there because we didn't know where the heck to go at first. And we get there, Jamie and I open the door, and then Steven opens the door behind us. And, man, you couldn't imagine the wind. It was like what you see in a space shuttle or a space station and people getting sucked out into space. That's what I thought was going to happen to Steven Johnson. I thought he was going to get swooped out of there really fast. But 
it, you know, the practices, we only got to see 15 minutes of it. It wasn't fully open, but Thursday, Thursday and Friday, man, it was just, it, it, everything was just happening so fast. They, Thursday, they allowed every single player to be interviewed and that lasted about 45 minutes, what I think was 45 minutes. So I tried to spend as much time with Coach Dykes and then went around to visit a couple of defensive guys and then tried to talk to the coordinators, tried to call, talk to Jamarcus McFarland, which, by the way, how did that defensive line step up to that O-line? Holy cow. Oh, um, man. And then I spoke with Ricker, and I'm glad I talked with both those guys because really, really good interviews. And it was kind of like they were they were – they didn't come out and say it, but you you got a really good feel that it wasn't. They they were kind of they were kind of taking offense to everyone just kept talking about how good offensive line Michigan had and how good their defense was and TCU's offensive line's gonna have to play really tough to get anything going. So it was really good to see that those guys just totally dominated both sides of the ball in the trenches. That's where the game was won. But yeah, so <clears throat> just really. Really awesome time. Getting out of there was, you know, obviously, you know, you had a ton of adrenaline watching that game, getting it down to zero. We'll talk about it in a second. But flight home was pretty cool. I tweeted about it, too, because I'm sitting there in the airport and saw so many TCU fans. I mean, every other – I'm not kidding. Every other five people, you, people you'd see, at least one or two of them had on TCU gear, either a shirt or a hat, something. And then when we landed back in Dallas, they were playing the TCU fight song on the plane. And uh, that was pretty nice. cool. Everyone started saying nice. that. I was in my reporter gear, kind of hunkered down, not doing anything, but secretly chanting in my head. Feel, feel, feeling pretty good for those guys. But yeah, man, Absolutely. just a just a really, it was a long week. I got home yesterday on Sunday. My wife picked me up from the airport. I was, I've never been so tired in my life. And I don't know if it was because the adrenaline high from the game, then getting back to the hotel after about one o'clock, you went out and celebrated a little bit, had had a few drinks with some guys and uh, got back to the hotel, then had to wake up again at five five thirty, I think, just to get to my flight. So, Ooh. man, I was, I was uh, extremely tired yesterday afternoon. So anything that happened, Pretty much between twelve thirty and five o'clock, I had no clue what was going on because I was out. Just another Wednesday in Fort Worth for you is what it sounds like to me. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, pretty much. Well, we're gonna we got some things that we want to get into from press availability. We'll, we're going to get to that in the end. We're going to kind of cluster all of our uh, Michigan commentary into one spot. But I, I want to start with this. Uh, I want to start with these two things. That sound like a minister. Now in closing, which means absolutely nothing. Uh, this is not a David and Goliath story. I just want to go on the record. This is not David and Goliath. This is not Rudy. This is not Hoosiers. This is the best program in the state of Texas, in the most football fanatic state that exists, that has aligned their university 
chancellor, the athletic director, the athletic department, the boosters with a head coach that came in, saw all of these resources sitting there, not the least of which were amazing human beings and our players, and said, let's unleash this. And in his first season, he has the Horn Frogs playing for the national championship. And so one of the things I really want Frog fans to commit to, and you can disagree with me and you're free to be wrong, this is not a feel-good story. This is not uh, something that makes you smile. This is what happens when a university that's committed to football, that has amazing players within 90 minutes of their campus, and millions, if not billions of dollars ready to be poured into the athletic department, get their act together and say, let's go do this. And so I I just want us to understand that this is, uh, we may have started at the bottom, but this is where the frogs belong. And so I kind of want to reshape a little bit of this. I love the David and Goliath story on on our message board on Horn Frog Blitz. Somebody had the art that, you know, the artistic rendering of David cutting off Goliath's head, which is actually how the story ends. Most people don't teach that at Vacation Bible School. And I love that. That's great. I, I would love to see something metaphorically happen like that. But this is where the frogs belong, and they've been so close so many times. So I just I wanted to get that off my chest here at the beginning. This is not a feel-good story. It may be for some people in Spokane that don't watch college football, but the frogs, th- this is... This is not a surprise to me. It may be shocking, but we're not surprised. And the second thing that gets me excited that I want to just start with before we get into the very first play of the game, you know, 20, it, it, the viewership peaked at 26 million people. Now, we can know Michigan can account for a lot of that, and an exciting game accounts for a lot of that, but I think, a, and I'm not contradicting myself, but a program that is not always in the playoff, that is first time in the playoff, it generated a lot of interest, and as the game went on, more and more people wanted to tune in and watch this, and so it's its peak the uh, the Fiesta Bowl drew more viewers than the Peach Bowl that had two of the bluest bloods that exist. So um, I'm I'm just really proud of uh, what the 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 game that they played and the display that they put on for the country for 26 million people at its peak viewership in the last um, 30 minutes of the game to tune in and to see the Horn Frogs win and to um, learn a little bit more about this university and for you for, and for TCU fans to realize this is what our program is capable of and it's something that I'm really gra- proud of Dykes and the entire program to make happen. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I I don't think this is a Cinderella pro, uh, you know, program at all, a Cinderella story. I'm right there with you. I mean, I think people that put that label on TCU have not watched TCU at all. They probably still think they're a <laughs> they probably don't even know the G5 label exists they probably still call it a mid major um, but TCU has has built this thing and uh, I'm just man I just can't tell you how how proud I am of those coaches and those players because it was it was a really really pleasant night for me to clap back at some people that were talking noise to me some reporters too and uh you know, leading up to the week, because when you get these type of games like this and you predict a win, what do you get labeled as? You're a homer, man. Absolutely. A homer, I'm a homer. And you're just trying to drive clicks and subscriptions. Absolutely. And they never, yep. and they, they never want to take in consideration that now yeah, the team's 12 and one. They got one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, the best receiver in the nation, probably one of the top five cornerbacks in the nation. Just they they don't give TCU the respect they sh- they should have been giving them all year. Uh, 
And I'm, I'm glad that they showed that on a big stage. But yeah, I'm right there with you, man. This isn't a Cinderella story. This is a team that is one of the top teams in college football. Whether you like it or not, Michigan, whether you like it or not, other Blue Blood programs, this is a top team in the nation. So the Frogs are going to finish in the top 10 for the fourth time in nine years, and that includes the worst four-year run since before the Southwest Conference broke up. TCU is the program that the media thinks that Texas and Texas A&M are. I just want to make that abundantly clear. And unlike you, you need I, to tweet I'm that a, out. You need to tweet that out. For real. I, I kind of do. I kind of do. <laughs> just say excluding at Jay Clark, you know. Yeah, excluding most, me- most media fill and tweet what you want to tweet. I will do that. I will do that. We are TCU is the program that the media thinks Texas and Texas A&M are. So, all right. Now that we've uh, led with our chest, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Sixteen Peacock minutes in. Chest. Let's get into the game. <laughs> let's start with the very first play of the game. Fifty-four yards right up the middle. Edwards, who had. Uh, just sliced and diced Ohio State, had a great game against Purdue in the Big Ten title game. Very familiar to Horn Frog fans. This looked similar to the play against uh, Wisconsin in the 2010 Rose Bowl, where all we heard was how their big, massive offensive line was just going to bulldoze us. And the first play kind of said, uh-oh, what have we got going on here? What you thought, what was going through your mind is, is the game opened and you're like, oh gosh, is this going to be what I think it is? Well, I wasn't pleased with the 54-yard game, but I'll tell you what I was happy about, and I told a couple radio stations um, this this morning. Edwards ran those same exact type plays against Ohio State, and guess what happened? He made it to the end zone. Bud Clark ran him down, and it kind of solidified what I'd been telling people all week, that this defensive team speed is unlike anything Michigan has seen this year. And – I think that kind of set the tone. I, th- I think that set the tone for how TCU's defense was going to play the rest of the night. Yeah, they gave up that big play, but if you go back and just do all the averages, I know some of us love math and like to do division and everything else, but you could figure out Edwards, I think, averaged 2.9 yards per carry after if that you take run. take out the 54-yard yeah. opening run, Edwards had 65 yards rushing the rest of the night. Basically on 22 carry, carries. whistle. Yeah, he finished 23 with 110. Take that run away, 22 for 65. That's a that's a pretty good average. And that's uh, not bad. You, you, but you had that, and and I really I, – I didn't get worried about it at all, to, to be honest with you, because this is a defense that has been prone to give up some big plays. But I, I think I was – I was really – I was really happy that Bud was able to chase him down because I think it sent a message, like I said earlier, that TCU's team speed is going to be the difference in, in this game. And, and it really did. I mean, the, the way those guys broke on some of those plays, um, the way they were running east and west, you're not going to you're not going to beat TCU sideline to sideline. And they figured that out real fast. And they also figured out you can't run up the middle on them. So it was just a tremendous effort. Um you know, for Bud to finish that play, to catch him. And I think it was one of the biggest plays of the game, obviously, because they get the ball down and they don't score. They get zero points, and uh, that was huge. All right, well, let's get to that. We started with the first play of the game. Let's go to the last play of the first drive. Uh, 
I, you know, if you're coaching Ridgely Roughnecks or Pop Warner out there in West Fort Worth, do not call Philly special anymore. Everybody and their cousin can see it coming. There, there's no novelty to this anymore. And so that the 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 Wolverines called Philly special. You know, you got the end around that, uh, and the quarterback that's supposed to sneak out there and catch the ball standing in the end zone. Like like actually, before Philly ran it, I just want to get this on the record. Baker uh, Baker Mayfield caught that in the Rose Bowl at the end of the first half, and uh, I, I don't think they actually get the credit that they deserve because the NFL is so much bigger than than college football. But I'm not going to call it the Sooner special. But they they get the the Philly special, and they 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 see it coming a mile away. And mm-hmm. next thing you know that. That, that poor wideout is just sprinting out there trying to figure out how to create a play when when there's absolutely nothing to be done. Two things about that. One, they, they were prepared, they contained it, and you forced a turnover on downs when they were right when, – when the week against Ohio State they would have scored. Second, did you see the reaction on the sideline from the coaches – after they called that, after they stuck that play, because I thought that, you know, you know and I don't want to like read into emotions or mojo, but like the, the coaching staff, the team on the sidelines, and then as they process it, like Johnny Hodges said, they were reaching into the bag right away. They, they, they were trying to come up with a trick play just to score on the very first drive. I thought that sent a message from Michigan to TCU, and then being able to stop it was the message sent right back. And I think that did as much to, uh, because of what Bud Clark did, it was, a, it was set up for, for the Frogs to be able to make a statement that they, it took them over a half to be able to bounce back from yeah i mean that was huge i mean that you're right they read that perfectly it's like they knew that formation they knew that play was coming um was that and, trey out there in the corner yeah trey covered i mean he covered trey McCarthy covered, up that's what i thought pretty fast and i think it was dylan that stayed at home on the reverse and was able to get mm-hmm. uh the tied in what was it loveland um kind of scrambling because <laughs> loveland i don't think expected number one to see Dylan sitting there and number two he probably didn't expect to see McCarthy covered up the way he was so it really by the Jim by the Thorpe award-winning cornerback yeah (laughs) that's not the the matchup that you want yeah that is definitely not the matchup you want but (laughs) yeah he looked really confused by it all and I mean what do you do you just try to run and again that team speed they corralled him up ate him up pretty fast there's three or four guys that were there the coaches' reactions were awesome. You had Sonny Dykes getting the dad locked jaw when you get real mad and you're just gritting your teeth. That's what he was doing, and and uh, you know you could you could see the excitement excitement level there. And it's kind of like <clears throat> I know it's really early. I know it's really early early in the game, but you got a sense that real early that this game was not going to be too big for TCU. No, this play, this game was not going to be too big for TCU. That was that was pretty evident. And so when you when you get inside of their ability to shut that plate or to uh, chase down Edwards and then be able to make a stand and then stick it on fourth down and get the ball back, even though they didn't score, they were able when they got the ball back, they punted, they got him, you know, deep-ish. And then what does Bud Clark do right away again as soon as JJ tries to throw a a, a quick out what with against Thinking he's throwing against uh, safeties from Purdue that run a four six, what does Bud Clark do to light the crowd up? Breaks on the ball perfectly, catches it and takes it all the way back for a pick six. I mean, that he read insane. that ball so great. He broke on that pass, and it wasn't it wasn't necessarily a good night for the TCU safeties. We knew that going in that they were going to give up some big plays, but it was good to see them 
kind of get get one of the biggest plays of the night early on, especially with Bud. Bud was playing lots out the first five minutes of that game. Yeah, he was. We're you know we kind of have a habit we don't dog on players. We can critique performance. Uh, there were some rough moments for our, for our safeties, and and we kind of knew that. You know, if you played safety, you you got you're going to work in the film room this week, but. That moment right there from Bud, I mean, he was lights out the first five minutes. And as one, it was sitting in the stands when he, when, when McCarthy uh, threw that, I, I, I had an angle kind of at McCarthy's back uh, up in the upper deck. And I was like, they're going to jump that. And when he jumped in front of it, by the time he caught it and took about three steps, it was like this eruption of decibels around me. And I don't think it stopped until after Griffin Kell put it through the uprights for the PAT. That You talk about uh, setting a tone and the ability to take command of every opportunity that you get. That's what happened. And I was, I was really proud of, of, of what they were able to do from um, right out of the gate. So... All right, let's just keep keep rolling here. A couple things that I wanted to to look at. Um, so we think about speed. You know, we're talking about speed not only in um, on in the defensive backfield, where obviously Bud Clark being able to chase people down. You're dealing with a situation where uh, you know you you're, you need to be able to cover them, even though they're going to be committed to the run game early on. I thought in spite of some some moments where they just kind of got burned, especially on crossing routes, I thought the defensive backfield was able to compensate on some of those situations because of their speed. Uh, that's That was a hallmark of, of all of the guys that were recruited by Gary Patterson. And it's also something that I know that Coach Koss has been able to commit to and work hard at. So with if they're able to uh, keep that going, then we'll see what happens in the Georgia game. All right, Jeremy, we have this offensive explosion where, by my account, there were eight touchdowns in eight minutes. All of a sudden, everything just began to take off, and it felt like you were playing Madden, and you had all of the cheat codes back and forth and back and forth. What was, what was it like being able to cover that? And are there any highlights of what felt like just a, a dang near blitzkrieg of offense from these two teams in probably what told everybody to get on their group chat and say, you better turn on the Fiesta Bowl right now. This is when viewership peaked, and this is when everybody's anxiety went through the roof. Eight touchdowns, eight minutes, seen anything like that? 44 points in the third quarter. I mean, it was ridiculous how much scoring was going on. And Sonny Docks even said after the game and the players said that, that third quarter felt like it took two hours. I mean, it, and it really did feel like it took forever. The, the final, the final few minutes of the third quarter were like, like watching the NBA finals. Uh, yes. I mean, it's just, I mean, so it was just a five minute period seemed like it took 45 minutes and, and it, it might have, I don't know. I haven't gone back and just seen how long it actually took, but, yeah, just score after score. Neither team could stop either offense, and just a lot of fireworks, man. And uh, what what great viewership that brought! Just seeing both teams just throw punches, take haymakers, and bounce back. And especially TCU, every time it felt like Michigan was getting a little momentum, TCU's thinking we're not we're not going to fold, guys. We're just going to keep knocking knocking you in the mouth still, and we're going to score. And it had to be so frustrating for Michigan fans to watch that every time Michigan had a chance to get back, TCU would just throw throw another punch, and there was ever there was never really any doubt that TCU was going to win that game. 
um, based on the way they were responding. Well, there was one play in in that explosion where it just said, Michigan, you can keep throwing punches, but but this is what we do. If you want to score touchdowns, the rest of the game, we're fine with it. Max drops back. He keeps dropping back. He keeps backpedaling. And then right at the perfect moment, he just drops that pass right over to Quentin Johnston on on that crossing route. When he gets to the center, he loops back to be, be, to be behind the line of scrimmage. So it's not an illegal forward pass. Or there, there's, there, there's no ineligible downfield. Excuse me. There's no ineligible downfield. He takes that, takes two steps, then gives the slickest high-step juke half-step I've ever seen, and he's gone. I mean, like, as soon as he made that poor schmuck miss, this is where speed comes in. Johnson is just down the sidelines for 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 the uh, for the touchdown. That was the last touchdown that the Frogs scored, actually. And that that play, it said to me, like, Michigan, if you want to just keep scoring every 90 seconds for the rest of the game, we've got 10 more plays like this. Let's see what you can do with it. What was it like seeing QJ take that that uh, crossing screen and then be able to take it to the house? I mean, it was really, it was a crazy view from our perspective because we're kind of in the corner there in the end zone. And you see him come across. It's it's one of those mesh routes. And he comes across and you see Max throw it and you're like, okay, he's, he's open, but is he going to get a first down? And then next thing you know, like you said, makes a great move. And then he's down the sideline. And I mean, I think he solidified his spot as the top receiver in the draft with that play because – you got to see a sense of how good he is in the open field with that frame and how fast he is streaking downfield. I think that was one of the, I mean, you talk about just obviously one of the biggest plays of the game, but it could have been the biggest play because you, you have a little bit of momentum that Michigan is coming back and then boom, you hit that play. And it's just, it's one of those plays I was talking about. You're, you're sitting there getting punched, getting punched, and then you throw a haymaker back and it's a, it's a, big time blow and it makes Michigan stumble back. And I love that play. And, you know, when you watch that play, one of the things that kind of goes unnoticed. Oh, I know you what you're going to get. Do you see it on the replay is Alon Ali coming from nowhere, basically from center um, to get a block, just try to stop the safety from getting a max. It didn't completely stop him, but it slowed him down enough for where max can get out, get off a decent throw. And then, Obviously, Jordan Hudson got a big block on that play, too. So, it, you know, a lot of things had to work um, and, and be executed for that play to result in a 76-yard touchdown. Sorry, that's what I, what I was going to say was was not the Alana Lee block, which was key. I mean, even if he just slowed him down half a step, Jordan Hudson, he, he pwned that guy. I mean, like, he put that guy on the Bermuda grass. And I, I, I just I just want to say this because it there's so many stereotypes that go with this this kid is a four star. This is a top one hundred recruit. One of the other sites had him at a five star. One of the things TCU fans often say about five stars when they go to Texas is what? They don't want to work. They don't want to block. They expect everything to be granted to them. When you are driving people into the ground so that basically your competition to get on the field scores a touchdown, that means you're all in for this team. And so I love I've, – I've gone back and watched that play from the end zone view at least 10 times just to see Jordan Hudson put that dude on the ground. That was a sweet block, 
And um, I, I mean, I, I posted this on our board. Jordan Hudson is learning from Quentin Johnston all the things that don't get caught in, taught in a classroom. This is a classroom of life. I know I sound like dad sitting down here explaining everything, but my gosh, man, what Jordan Hudson is able to learn from Quentin Johnston is, is just ridiculous. And that play is, is a microcosm of everything that will be coming Jordan's way over the next few years. And he's, he's already a, a major contributor on a team that's playing for the national championship. So big, big fan of that. Yeah. And he had a couple of nice catches in the game too. And, you know, he's, he's starting to become one of those guys that I think is going to have a pretty good uh, contribution in that championship game next week. I mean, he's, he's earned his uh, playing time. I'll put it that way. Oh, he has earned his playing time. All right, so the four, the Frogs end up forcing a punt. Darius Davis runs back. It gets a, a great return. I thought he was going to be able to take it to the house. And so with 10.51, uh, it's fourth down. Griffin Kell comes out and kicks a field goal. What if I told you at 10.51, that's the last points that the Frogs are going to put on the board? Did you think they were going to be able to win at the pace that those previous 8 to 10 minutes had been going? Because that was the last scoring play for the Frogs was with 10.51 when they kicked the field goal. I'm, I'm still kind of shocked by that as I was reviewing my notes getting ready for this. That was the last time the Frogs scored. Yeah, that was kind of surprising. Uh, I figured they would have been a little bit more aggressive there, and we asked Sonny about that, and he kind of said the same thing because it, it almost looked like they were just playing for the field goal. And I really mm-hmm. think they were, because um, I, I think they really wanted points out of that. But I would have liked, I liked the fact they got points out of it. But I would have liked to see them uh, try to try to do a more aggressive play to see if they can get that first down and keep driving the clock down. But you know, it is it is what it is, man. It's a it's a game of chess, not checkers, right? And um, that's right. You got You got to get points. What would you have called there? Or what, what do you wish that they would have gone after? Because it did feel like conservative, kind of tighten up, turtle up, kick the field goal. Well, there's, there's, there's a formation that I always feel really good about with Max back there. And I know some people don't like it. The, the, the run, run the damn football people hate this formation, but it's when they go empty and you have yeah. Max alone and shotgun because it puts so much pressure on the linebackers and it puts so much pressure on the, uh, secondary. Because if you only got a three-man blitz or three-man rush with that guy playing quarterback, and you're giving him all kinds of time to run, then I, I, I really think that's that's a positive play for TCU. Um, but I, I probably would have liked to have seen something like that just to get him in open space. And if they don't get it, fine, they don't get it. But I I, I would have liked to have seen something other than a read option right to the middle of the field. It, it just it just seemed like that was the design play. This is what we're going to do. It's almost it was almost like running bazooka without them having to rush out on field to uh, beat the clock for a field goal. It's almost like they were just setting Griffin up from the middle, and they were they were just going to take the the field goal no matter what. And, uh, and and like I said, I'm not I'm not arguing I'm not arguing the the idea there because they they got points out of it, and that's all that matters. Um, me personally, I just would have I would have liked to have seen them go a little bit harder. And I think Sonny even said the same thing after the game. I don't know if they were too close to the goal line to, been, to have been able to run it, but if you go back to the the tying drive in the Big 12 title game, I, they, I think they did. They went empty set. Max took the ball. I think, it, I think it was fourth and three, and Max took one step back, put the ball up next to his ear, and then they had a pulling guard come around, and he just shot through and picked up about seven or eight yards. That 
you know, off the left side. That's what I was that, you know, if with the hindsight genius that I am, that that's what I was hoping something of that variation that they could have run to just yeah. get the ball in Max's hands, to be able to, to give him a chance to make a play even on third down. So yeah, it, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that. And especially being, I mean, not that you want to just turn your quarterback into a running back, but Max is like an H back playing quarterback. I mean, I get, you know, maybe, maybe limit DeMarcado's carries with Kendra Miller out, maybe just give Max a chance to, to make a play with his legs. Uh, it, it it all worked out, but I I mean Sunny Sunny said what we're both saying, so we're not like you know fans just complaining that yeah. maybe that was a moment to be a little more aggressive. No, this isn't a complaint at all. No, I mean yeah. I, that's just you know what was funny though. I don't know if you had this on your notes, but it seemed like they learned a little bits of something with them not running the quarterback keep in the Big Twelve Championship. How about that? Oh my gosh. <laughs> They did it not once but twice. It's like they it, they you want to say you learn things from from losses. That's one of the things they learn because they put Max under center and they was it Spivey the first time. It's Spivey. They ran Spivey back yeah. and forth. I think they motioned yeah. him behind Max twice, or no? They they managed they they motioned him across and then he straightened up and came behind and then he just reestablished himself and got set for the half second. And then Spivey's got one job and that's just to put his hands on um, Max's hips and put leaning forward. Yeah. Do you remember that was was awesome to see. And I, and I know every fan appreciated that. I know the people in the media and the press box definitely appreciated, appreciated that that play was drawn up and, and being run now. Not to give it a little trigger warning here. I'm going to talk about Kansas state do you remember back when Snyder Ball, the second um, version of that, what they would do in that situation? You know, they'd stick that quarterback under center. They'd have a fullback. And then it was like they were in a wishbone, but they brought the two halfbacks up between the quarterback and the fullback. And then as soon as the ball was snapped, all three of them just leaned right into the into the, the pile at once and got basically, you know, if all of them can squat 500, moving forward at one time. I do not ever remember that not creating a first down whenever Kansas State ran it. And the, the best part was everybody knew it was coming and there wasn't a dang thing you could do about it. So Yeah, just like J.J. Watt said the other day, the hardest play to defend is the quarterback sneak. Yep. All right, so we've hit the first play, the last play on the first drive. Uh, we've looked at the the last scoring drive for the Frogs. Let's go to the last play of the game. <laughs> I, 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 I have listened to a variety of interpretations of maybe Keon Stewart should have been called for targeting. I have read on Horn Frog Blitz that we have some genius, some people that have actually scoured the. Uh, the the rule book that that the play should have been blown dead or like a flag should have been dropped because on fourth down you can't fumble the ball forward or I mean I I don't know what what in the world ha- it, it, let's just start with the basic do you think they should have called targeting on Keon Stewart man it's so close I, I really think if you look at the rule the way it's interpreted you can't lead with the crown mm-hmm. I don't think he was leading I don't think he was intentionally trying to target. I think that's just how he tackles. Unfortunately, I don't think it'll ever change. Um, but the, where he made contact was kind of on the shoulder. I think if it had been a straight head to head shot, they would have called targeting. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and, and lie to you and, and tell you, I, 
I'll be honest, I was completely shocked it wasn't called a targeting because based on what we've seen this year in years past, we all thought that was targeting. The only people that didn't think it was targeting and saying it's not a targeting were the ones praying to your best friend up above (laughs) saying it's not a targeting while they're really meaning to say, please don't let that be targeting. Please don't let that be targeting. But I mean, talk about an agonizing way to finish the game because they do all the right things. And we're trying to figure out in the press box, okay, what in the heck's going on? What in the world can possibly be reviewed? At first we thought, okay, well maybe when chaos was going on on the field, maybe they thought some of the TCU players rushed the field before the the whistle hit and they were going to, they were going to say 12 men on the field. Mm-hmm. But then they started showing, we started looking up and they started actually showing the replays of Keon's hit and they we're all, Oh my gosh, they're reviewing a freaking targeting. Are you kidding me? And, uh, it was funny in the press box because all the TCU guys were like, Oh my gosh, this can't be happening. And, one of the guys from Killer Frogs is like, that's not targeting. That's not targeting. And of course, the, <laughs> the, the, of course the Michigan guys were like, oh, that's targeting. That's targeting. You know, it's a, just banter back and forth. And, uh, you know, because obviously if they get a targeting call, I mean, McCarthy's going to be able to launch a 60-yard bomb and Michigan's going to win. I mean, you know it was going to happen, Jeff. I mean. I know. Yeah, that, I know. No, that's – I mean, honestly, I, that's, that's the – I'm not going to cuss. It's a family show, but this family—it's the kind of—it's—it's it's the kind of idiotic response that I had to field from my Michigan buddy and other buddies that just didn't want TCU to win. I'm like, okay, so you guys all of a sudden thought that he's just going to be able to launch back. TCU would not be playing any type of prevent defense. They had to score a touchdown. You think he's just going to be? A, I mean, yeah, he did have some big completions in that game, but come on, guys. Don't. So what was it? Twenty twenty two seconds left, no timeouts, and they would have been at what the thirty five? Yeah, or the yeah, forty. Let's, they're let's, on forty. It, they're on forty. Something let's like not that. act like that. That and and they need a touchdown, not a field goal. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if it was different so. circumstances, but here's the thing, and we'll talk about this this later because I, I, I want to dive in because I, I brought my soapbox with me. I'm All right. Because I'm going to step on it here in a minute. Step up in that um, pulpit, buddy. Yes, I am. And I need to. Everyone that's met me knows I need a soapbox to get my point across. But, you're you're yeah, almost I as mean, tall as Kyler Murray. <laughs> maybe taller. But no, I mean that that last play was agonizing. And you asked me the first the first question of the show. You asked me what did I think when that thing hit zero, and I put a post on the board. And I really did, man. I looked down. I kind of looked down. I, I scoot away from the uh, from the little. Uh, table the little area the desk area that we put our laptops on and watch the game from and i scoot back my chair and i just kind of look down and kind of in disbelief you know kind of in disbelief and uh, saw the fans going crazy and i really did i thought man so many so many of you guys are down there celebrating having a great time i really did think about you and jeremiah I, mm. you know we had that discussion the night before at dinner you know, are you going to sports cry, Jeff? And you're like, oh, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it if, if, if I, if TCU wins. And I knew Jeremiah would because I've seen Jeremiah get a sports cry when he first walked up to Rosenblatt Stadium. And there was no, <laughs> you know, that's, he's a baseball Nothing wrong guy, with so. that, man. No. I, mean, I wish they still played at the Blatt. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was, uh, 
it, man, it, you know, Sunday morning, I was still kind of in disbelief. It's just kind of, kind of crazy to say TCU is going to be playing in the national championship. Yep. Yes, they are. I did but, have a sports cry. I had a friend that I went to college with, I went to seminary with, and we were hardcore frog fans in '97 when we went one and ten. You know, we beat SMU on the last play of the game, or you know, we 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 no, we beat SMU on the last game of the year, and all nine of us that were in the student section rushed the field. Um, like that's that's how long he Stephen Jones and I have been long suffering friends. So. Uh, uh, long-suffering fans. It's kind of kind of crazy, man. I was about to say, suffering friends. I, it's good that y'all are friends, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is. It, 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 he's actually one of my favorite stories to tell. He's he's a Catholic priest married with five kids. So people think that priests can't get married. I, I know one. So oh, that's, yeah. a, that's another podcast on another stream. Uh, <laughs> let's... I mean... I- <clears throat> I think other other recognition needs to be uh, handed out. I think D. Winters played an incredible game. Yeah, felt like he played the best game of his career. It was funny on his pick six because again, where we're at, we're kind of behind the plays. Uh, so when when we're when we're watching Quentin Johnson run for that long touchdown, he's running toward us, and so when D. got his interception. You see this receiver break open on the out route from our point of mm-hmm. view. He's, and you can see it on the replay. You see what we're talking about. You, but he looked wide open and Steven Johnson was sitting to my left. And, and, uh, as soon as he throws that ball, that's who we thought the pass was going to. And next thing you know, D winners is running. And you know what that play looked exactly like? What it was. 2014, Paul Dawson Absolutely. picking <laughs> off, uh, uh, what was his name? Trevor. Trevor Knight. What was Trevor Knight, quarterback Trevor from Knight. OU? Trevor but, Knight, undefeated. What was was OU number three? Number yeah, they three were, or number four? I mean, that, they were top five team, but yeah, it, it, we, me and Steve were like, what happened? Like, but what's funny? What man, this happened? is this is a funny story. What happened? This is a funny story. Uh, Collins sitting to my right, Colin Post, and. When Bud got the interception, you know, there's no cheering in the press box, but I grabbed no. his arm. I started shaking his arm as Bud's running down the sideline. And so when D got his interception, Colin's like shaking my arm going, you know, we, cause we can't cheer, but we're like, Oh yes, yes, yes. Cause <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. We want, you know, we want to see TCU in a national championship. I mean, that's, that's all of us that cover the TCU beat. We, we all want to see them play in this national championship game. And so, Every good play they had, we were we were silently shaking our fist, giving a little fist pump, and uh, it was it was pretty cool. But I thought the defensive line played great. Dylan Horton four sacks, quiet quietly had four sacks, and everyone talks about that great offensive line Michigan has. Michigan did have a great offensive line. Hey man, where was that smashing smashing the lanes and smashing the football? Was Did that, you see that? Thir- Did you see that? Thirteen Bob? tackles for loss. Yeah, thirteen tackles I, for I loss. I think it was thirteen tackles for loss. And that that is that is size up front with the three, and then you know what those linebackers have? Two words. Let's go back to two thousand six Texas Tech post game press conference. Speed baby. Speed baby. That's how how, how you going to beat these teams? Speed baby. And so speed is was just on display. D Winters, I remember one time, he 
what was it? I This is like old man football on display. Follow the pulling guard. Well, D. Winters did not follow the pulling guard and shot across the pulling guard in, in, through the gap and just met the running back. Uh, I think it was, I'm sure it was Edwards and just yeah. met him about four yards deep. It was a display of speed of intensity. It wasn't just I'm faster than you on the track field. It was I'm moving quicker than you are in a way that's going to make me put me in a football position to just do to do my job. So, yeah, D. Winters had an amazing game. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to Amari DiMarcato. Oh man! <sighs> All right, let me let me give the little backstory here because there's, I think it's him and Wes Harris. This is their sixth year of college football. Yeah. It is. This is their sixth year. Amari DiMarcato recruited. I, I remember when when uh, we recruited him. He's a JUCO kid, so he played one year. He was a qualifier. He just wanted to go and play on a platform that could shoot him to a better spot. And he, I think it was Southern California, wasn't it? I think I think he was from SoCal. Yeah, he's and from California. He's from California. Another one of these diamonds in the rough. Is he ever going to be a three down back in Power Five or in the NFL? No. That guy, all he has done is contribute, pass block, pick up first downs, uh, be able to catch. He's great catching the ball out of the backfield. And he he sliced and diced that Michigan defense that everybody said was just going to blow us up. And, you know, I, he's got this advantage over Kendra Miller, which we'll get to in a second, and that he's short. And so, like, I mean, I know that sounds kind of silly, but, like, when he scoots through, when, when, on that touchdown when he went for one yard, it's almost like he just had to turn his shoulder and he was at everybody's hip and fell into the end zone. Amar yeah. DiMarcado is one of the unsung heroes of this program, and I am I was so glad to see him. He rushed for one, 151, I think. I Very think he rushed high. for a buck fit. Yeah. yeah, he rushed uh, for well over 100, and to, to be able to do that um, with Kendra Miller on the sidelines basically the entire second half, what, what, what are your thoughts on DiMarcado, especially considering that he's been here since, like, Moses wore short pants? <laughs> I mean, you know I'm a big fan of his, and, and I think he's he's grown on TC fans. I remember a couple years ago when he'd get the ball, people were like, why is he even touching the football? He doesn't need to be touching the football. And now it's like if Kendra Miller goes out, yeah, Kendra Miller's great and everyone loves him. But I think they feel confident that Amari can get the job done. And I think, and I think that really showed this year, especially the way he's played in these, these games where they've had these big explosive plays. Cause he's been a lot, a, a, a part of those big explosive plays this year. He's had several long runs and, you know, I, I said it before, but he's, he really is the, the Swiss Army knife of uh, the TC running back where he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, he's not the fastest, but in you know he he's probably the most versatile guy they have as far as doing all those things at once, being able to pass block, being able to catch, and being able to get good runs up the middle, or being able to take runs and and take them to the house. And uh, yeah, he got caught on that long run, but he got it down to the one yard line, and and that's saying something. And I really felt. Proud for him, man. I, I, especially being so close to his uh, home state. Now he gets to show it again inside his home state next week. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's uh, it, it's 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 really cool to see because he's a guy that let's go all the way back to 2018. He carried Baylor, carried TCU, and that went over Baylor. Him and yep. Jalen Rager. You know, if it wasn't for those two guys, especially Jalen. But hey, I don't disrespect Amari, the mule. Don't yeah. disrespect the mule. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Grayson, Grayson had a pretty decent game, too, in that game. But 
Yeah, I remember the Amari, ball to had, DiMarcado and throwing the ball to Jalen Rager. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, he and Amari, I think, had 60-something yards there, and it seems like ages ago. But, I mean, it's incredible to see where he's where he started and, and where he's at now. It's kind of it's kind of like TCU football in general. But he's just one of those workhorses, man, and you take, take an account for, hey, next man up, and, and he's definitely a, a guy that is the next man up. And I, I, I understand that people want to see Imani Bailey more and everything else, but anyone that watches TCU football, you, you can't discount Amari because he has done no. so much for the program and – He's one of the biggest reasons why they're sitting where they're sitting right now and playing next week. Absolutely. Well, just and, give us an update. You, you go ahead. Go ahead. And, and not to mention, I mean, we we could talk, dedicate a whole show to it, but that middle of the offensive line for TCU Ooh. whipped Michigan's ass. Let's they just, did. Let's just put it out there and pistol that, whip them. That interior of Alan Ali, Steve Avila. Wes Harris, John Lance, they whipped their ass. Plain and simple. This, this, even Jim Harbaugh said we had no answer for it. And no, there, they, there was no answer just kept, for it. They just kept gashed them right up the middle. Maybe that's why they, maybe that's why they did that one play when they kicked the field goal. Cause, cause they were having success up the middle and Michigan finally decided to stop it. But I, I, I tell you what, man, I'm, I'm so proud of guys like Wes Harris, a guy that's, been around forever, like you mentioned a few minutes ago. Um, had every reason in the book to hang up, hang up his cleats, and he didn't. Man, he came back and uh, he's made it through the season. This is the first season I can't remember I how long he's he's made it through every game, and uh, he's getting to have the ultimate reward, man. And I know that, yeah, there's one game left, and you, you, the job's not done. Everything else, but for him to make it to the national championship game going through what he's been through, man. It's, it's, it's special. It's special for that guy. And I'm proud for him. I talked to him after the game and talked to his family and, you know, they're, they're an awesome family. The Harris family's one of the best families you'll ever meet. And I just, they're, they're so excited. And I mean, a a ton of families like that at TCU right now are, are feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Well, just give us a 10-second update. What do we know about Kendra Miller for the national championship? He's going to play. That's He's going to play. He has a slight MCL, but he'll be ready. Okay, he'll be ready. That's all I wanted to hear. That's all I wanted to hear. All right, we got. I, we still got plenty to talk about, but I'm going to tighten this up a little bit. Let's just say this, and we're going to do this really quick. These officials sucked. I just want to get on, on, on record about that. Yeah. If they would have called targeting at the end, nobody could have argued with that. You know what I can argue with? The absolute worst roughing the passer call I have ever seen in my 47 <laughs> years. Have you? That was hideous. That was hideous. It's like he, he, he tossed a tissue to him, and McCarthy goes down, and it, it, there was, that was the worst roughing the passer I have ever seen. What what was your response and and what was everybody around? I bet even the Michigan homers were like, "Well, that's a tough call." Well, I mean, no, they weren't like that because Michigan fans started getting mad at me because I said that. Look, I've seen harder hits in Pee Wee football, and yes. I made a comment. I made a comment. This isn't a game where everyone deserves trophies because it was like mm-hmm. that. It's like, oh my gosh, McCarthy got hit. Let's let's uh, throw a flag to make him feel good about it. Johnny was basically going in there half speed, had his arm up, 
mm-hmm. and didn't even lower his shoulder or nothing, just came in with his arm raised, and McCarthy throwing the ball, the momentum of everything made him fall backwards, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, I could not believe that call, and of course, like I said, I tweeted about it, and everyone wants to talk about the uh, the catch that looked like a touchdown, but is. You know, he, he wasn't he was in the down. end zone. And he, then he, he didn't have possession, but by the time he got possession, it was in the end zone. So, it you know, it's there's a lot of crazy calls. I mean, there is, and I get it. There's There were some questionable calls. It, you know, to me, I, I told you earlier, I, I thought it was going to be a targeting because just based by the rule, I thought it really was going to be a targeting. The, the catch that they had in the end zone, I've seen – photos today where he's clearly short of the end zone, but then you have the look of, you know, he didn't have it. He didn't have possession by the time he had possession. He was in the end zone should have been a touchdown. Someone found a rule about that somewhere. I don't know what the rule is. Someone posted it on the board. Um, but yeah, there, there was several questionable calls on this. Well, you know what the official ruling on that play is? Tell us, please. TCU is playing for the national championship and Michigan is trying to figure out how to relight their pilot light. <laughs> That's, That's the official ruling on that play. <laughs> well, before we, before we start tidying up, can I, can I stand on my soapbox just for a second? Stand up there. Let okay, it rip. I'm going to make it brief. Okay. For all the Michigan fans and for all the other fans that wanted to see TCU lose this game, the, 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 Several of you that are the Texas Tech fans or the Baylor fans, Texas fans, I will say Texas Tech. Texas Tech gave a lot of you know a lot of their fans their their game thread was kind of mixed. They they were obviously not rooting for TCU, but happy for TCU if that makes sense. And then some Mm -hmm. of them were throwing out the wildest things I've ever seen. Um, There's no love lost between some of these fans, but I I will say this: they want to. Everyone wants to talk about these two. These two questionable calls, this the the play that should have been a touchdown, and the next play they fumble and TCU recovers. TCU got lucky on this. Oh, TCU's lucky they didn't get called for targeting. Okay, number one, there were so many different plays in that game. It's not like TCU played a perfect game. TCU did, TCU did not play a perfect game. How about when Max threw an interception or threw an interception that bounced right off Darius's chest? Yes. And landed into the hands of Michigan defenders inside their own 30. And how about when Amari fumbled inside his own 30? But here's the here's the ultimate thing. They want to complain about those calls. But, hey, guess what? Y'all were supposed to obliterate TCU. Y'all were going to bully TCU into showing them how big boy football is played, how Big Ten football is played, how they're going to run all over y'all's slow – three-star defense that doesn't know how to tackle. But yet, you go out there and you give up 51 points, and you want to talk about two freaking plays that is the reason why Michigan lost? Well, how about this? How about don't throw two pick sixes? How about don't give the ball to a linebacker on the one? Uh how about run a quarterback sneak at the one uh, that maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe get somebody with a little bit of speed to cover the number one wide receiver in the country and maybe learn how to shut down our 28 year old second string running back. 
<laughs> that that you all think would would ne- wouldn't even be good enough to play on your walk on practice squad. How about you do that? But, that I mean, it's it's just it's just funny to me that Michigan fans are complaining about that when you guys were supposed to win by three or four touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be an easy. It was. It, it, remember, it was a buy for you guys, basically. I know. That's how college. You know how many tickets are on sale right now? And all the and all the out ES- of Detroit. <laughs> oh, I bet. And all the ESPN blowhards and the ones that still don't want to give TCU credit, they're sitting there talking about these plays on television, talking about this and that. They don't want to talk about the fact that they gave up fifty-one points, and their and their rushing offense was completely dominated by TCU's defensive line, or TCU's. Uh, defensive line had four sacks against the offensive line that had only given up 13 sacks all year. And then you want to talk about the best offensive line. Yeah, they're a great offensive line, but how about give a little bit of credit to TCU's offensive line? Hey, they're a second half team too. Yeah. No, they want to sit there and talk about, Oh, they should have been targeting on the last player. That should have been a touchdown. You were supposed to. You were supposed to win. You weren't even supposed to show up to the game and win. That's why you don't play this game on paper. That's why this is. I, I keep telling all my buddies that told me TCU is going to get dominated. This ain't a five game series. This ain't a seven game series. This is a sixty minute football game. And I, we're going to hear the same thing all week leading up to Georgia. Georgia is great. They obviously are very very talented. They've got speed everywhere. They've got size everywhere. And I told someone on the radio this morning, I don't see how anyone that watches college football could sit there and say, Georgia's going to dominate TCU. That yep. tells me they have not watched one second of how TCU's played football this year. How nope. physical they actually are, how fast they are, and how experienced they are. And they have a never give up attitude. Never. I'm going to throw my soap on and step down real quick. Step okay. Down. Well, you might okay. step back now. up. We got to, we got to, we're not on a filibuster here. We got to talk about Michigan talking trash all week. What conference are they even in? We're going to be bringing the Big Ten to the Big Twelve and show it what it's all about. They line up in that three-three-five. They got running lanes to hammer it through all week. Smash They're, it through. What's that? Smash it through. Yeah, yeah. they did not go through like uh, public communications and public relations one hundred and one, which is you know do not give your enemy ammunition. Sonny Dyke said at the press conference, and I can't believe he didn't die laughing when he said it. When he was asked, did you guys take any of that stuff seriously? He said, well, you know, we just kind of block all that out. We were really focused on ourselves, and we, we didn't let any – we really didn't hear anything that was said about us all week. That is the biggest load of horse crap I've ever heard in my <laughs> life. <laughs> they no. had that running on a loop in the locker room. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You know the players did. Yeah, oh, you know absolutely. They, they knew they they knew the dis- disrespect they were getting down there because I mm-hmm. talked I talked to the players about it after the game when in, in some of those interviews. So, yeah, it's it's uh, they definitely they definitely disrespected TCU. They didn't feel like they were going to be a good team. And I don't think Georgia is going to make the same mistake. I think Georgia fans, they're crazy. They're rabid. But I think they they're are. a lot more intelligent than what Michigan fans are going to be. Heading into this game, I think Georgia obviously knows they have a, a very good football team, and um, they also know that TCU is a very good football team. And this is why you play the game, and you just don't look at it on paper because Michigan, 
beat the brakes off Ohio State. And there for a long time, Jeff, it looked like Ohio State might have – I mean, it looked like they were going to beat Georgia. I thought they were. So, if you know, if you want to use that crazy analogy like, well, Michigan beat Ohio State by this much and TCU beat Michigan and Ohio State beat Georgia, it should be a two-point game. But some yeah. people aren't going to look at it that way. It's already a 13-point spread. So, obviously, people are already downgrading TCU again. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to have to deal with it now for the next seven, eight days and go out and prove people wrong again. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. All right. Let's start to wrap up here. I want to give a big thank you, and I can't even begin to tell you how much appreciation to every person I met at Boondocks at the Hell's Half Acre tailgate, standing in line to get a beverage at the game, walking in, walking out, to everyone that came up and said, Jeff, I listen to the Frogcast every Monday morning. Jeff, I, I, I'm on the board. I love all the work that Jeremy does. Thank you for helping out. I couldn't even keep track with how many people I met that, you know, I, I don't want to like get emotional here, but like, I am glad this means a lot to people. I just want to say that. I mean, it, it is it is actually harder than anyone realizes to get it done. Uh, as we've already experienced tonight, hopefully you don't realize it in the show. But to everybody that's that came up that said hello, we want you to know we appreciate you. You have our deep gratitude. I couldn't learn everybody's names, but all of you that wanted to share with us, all of you that, that just said, hey, thanks for all the work you do. I, I just, from the bottom of my heart, I want to express my gratitude for all the work that, that for, for, for what you do in, in listening to this, to being on Horn Frog Blitz. It just, it, it meant a ton to me and it, it, it really, it really touched something deeper inside of me than I realized in um, reflecting on that, on, on the drive from Arizona to Yuma to catch the flight on Sunday morning. Thank you all. Thank you all for, for being online. Thank you all for listening to our podcast. I, Jeremy, I, I know you felt the same way. I, I was almost overwhelmed. Yeah, it's it's crazy, man. You know, the the amount of people we, we met, the handshakes, the the pat in the backs, it, it just it's it's crazy. Like you said, it's you know, it's it's crazy to know that you have an impact on someone like that, you know? It's uh you know, I never I never this job i love doing it i love connecting with people and uh, um and what i mean by that is the i get to meet the people behind the username and you're not just a name and i get to see how how great they are and uh yep. shout out to uh carlos mr panama was yes a, was, carlos the, and ramon, guys, ramon from ramon. panama that listen My to the gosh. I know when we're an international you, show. When you told when you told me that um, that you met those guys at the pep rally, I I could not believe when he came up and started talking to me at the at Boondocks and he was telling me he's followed me ever since Rivals back early mm-hmm. in the early days and yeah. man, it's just you know that that kind of stuff is is kind of overwhelming. It's it's really, it really cool yeah. to. Uh, to be part of that. And we had a lot of good stories. Some of you guys that came by got some really good nuggets, didn't you? I think they did. And yes, if they you did. saw me and Jeff, you didn't come say hi, then you missed out on some great nuggets. Yeah. But, uh, Wait till you I, find out who's hopping in the transfer portal from other schools, not at TCU, other schools. Now, now I'm not, gonna, I'm not starting. 
Now, you, you know not- what's going to happen now. Now, people are going to start griping at me on the board saying, well, what do we pay for? Why do you have to tell people in secret? Well, because they bought you beer. You, there's some things you can't post on, on, on the website. I'm sorry. That's, that's just how it goes, boys and girls. Yep. So you can't, you can't post everything. And, uh, some of you guys learned some, some, learned some good things. And I hope it was worth your while to visit with us for a little bit. And that's what we always feel like. And, and Jeff, uh, McCain, Jeff you're McCain. a boy, man. Jeff, you always come through and clutch, took me and Jeff out to dinner. And we appreciate you, man. We appreciate yeah. you a ton. And, uh, we appreciate everyone that, that stopped by and visited. And we even got the, got to meet the guy that wrote the apology letter. That was awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and let's, let's give thanks to the guy that is uh, voiceless, but without the show, it doesn't happen. Daniel, thank you so much for getting us online. If you enjoyed the fight song, if things have been edited together to make this show work in spite of my screw ups, Daniel Southern, who's been here from day one, he and I have been here since day one. Thank you so much for getting us online, Daniel. I am, I know that this season has to have meant a lot to you and, um, uh, I just, I'm, I'm really grateful for the work that you do as well, man. It, it just makes it all happen. Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm, I'm gonna get you. All right. I'm, I'm gonna get you emotional now. Yeah. You, I think you're about to, you're about to have the tears flowing, because as I'm, as I'm sitting in the airport Sunday morning, it's, oh man, it's so early. I look at a thread on our board. And I think you know which one I'm talking about, right? You know, I wasn't going to bring that up, but I won't stop no. you. No, I'm going to bring it up because this this is what's awesome. And I'm searching. This, okay, <laughs> we're sitting here talking about this, okay? This is, this is all you guys, man. You know, I remember the days where we'd start threads, and those threads would be on a page for a week or two weeks at a time, and you can find it easy. Now when people post, if you don't, I mean, this board is so active. Some things that we posted yesterday is already on the second or third page mm-hmm. of the forum. That's how much activity has been going on. So I finally found this thing. I'm looking at it Sunday morning. I'm sitting in the, uh, in the terminal and, uh, I see the thread as promised GoFundMe for past fraud. We got to get you to LA. I'm going to click on it now and. The Frog Faithful, the loyal supporters of the Frogcast and, and HF, HFB have raised $2,900 for you, man. Get you out there to L.A. That is awesome. Jeff can't talk right now. No, I really can't. I will, I will give a gratitude on that down the road. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. All right. <laughs> I'm going to close hey, with my, my prediction. Okay. Go ahead. Let's hear the prediction. All right. I'll give you mine. I'll give you, you give me yours and then we'll be done. 48, 47 horn frogs with a big win over Georgia. 48, 41. No, 48, 47. Excuse me. 48, 48 47. 47. Okay. Yep. 48, 47. I don't know what the score is going to be, but I'm going to tell everyone what I told told them last last Saturday or last Friday when I when I met a lot of people and a lot of people I text I told you guys get your tickets to LA get your get your flights booked I'm gonna tell everyone right now 
Go ahead and get your championship shirts ordered. Frogs are going to win it, baby. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. And if they're wrong, right. if I'm wrong, who gives a care? The Frogs right. are playing in the national championship, man. If loving the Frogs is wrong, I don't ever want to be right. <sighs> hey, everybody. This is well over an hour. We're going to wrap this thing up. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. The Frogs are Fiesta Bowl champions. They are playing for the national championship. They said this day would never come, but here we are. We are not Cinderella. We are not Feel Good. We are not David. We are not Rudy. We are not Hoosiers. We're the best program in the state that loves college football the most, and you better get used to it. So until we get together again to celebrate the Horned Frog victory over Georgia, for Daniel Southern, for Jeremy Clark, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Frogcast.